Welcome to Hope Found. This is a podcast about doing life with God. I found hope in the one and only true God through my salvation in Jesus. And I want to share my journey with God via the scriptures and personal interactions. Many of the podcasts will have a study of scriptures and others will contain interviews with other people and their stories finding hope in God. Hi, and welcome back. I'm Hope, and my husband John is here also. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Okay, so this week um, I was reminiscing about how for several years around Thanksgiving and into December, uh, we would go camping. Yeah, that? That, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was mostly fun. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it was a nice thing for us to be able to do as a family. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have to be honest, it was probably more like glamping than camping because we did have a camper because I'm not staying in a tent on the ground. Sorry, guys. That's, that's just, true. I guess it's important to be honest. Yeah, that's just not me. So, but I'm okay. I embrace that. Um, but uh, here in Florida, the weather is really, really nice that time of year. And um, so it's nice and cool. So we can actually appreciate having like a campfire. Yeah, it was always a nice time to spend with friends, too. We did that usually with a couple of other families, so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because it really provided a place where we can just kind of hang out and, you know, just have food together and have fun and, yeah, you know, it just, we you really get to know people, too, when you spend that kind of time with absolutely. them. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I really do miss those times. Our friends are in different places now and uh, physically, and so really miss them, but those are really good times. Um so, yeah, I was thinking more about like when we sat around the fire and um, I liked those times of year because I could really appreciate it because yeah. we would also camp in times where we needed the swimming pool because it was hot and we wanted to do a fire because that's what you do when you're camping. But I didn't appreciate the heat or anything. Yeah, we had a couple of those camping trips where we spent a lot of time in the camper because of the heat. <laughs> exactly. Good thing for air conditioning. Exactly, exactly. But when we did spend time around the campfire, you know, we would, um, you know, sometimes you'd be on the wrong side, you get the smoke in the face, and uh, pretty much everything ended up smelling like smoke. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it took several times washing the hair, so you didn't really smell that campfire anymore, but enjoyable nonetheless. You know, um, initially I, I enjoyed smelling the campfire smoke, and then it was kind of like, okay, it's old now. It's time to get that washed out. Right, but, when we'd be home for a few days and you'd still feel like you smelled it. Right, right. And you're yeah. like, okay, it's time to be done now. But um, anyways, definitely enjoyable times. Uh, so what are some other uses of fire that you can think of? You mean other than campfire? Yeah. Uh, I mean, fire gets used, uh, I mean, it gets used for heat a lot. Mm -hmm. you know, so furnaces usually will make fire, different types of furnaces. Um, fire gets used to fuel power plants. Mm, so. Mm -hmm. Making energy is something that uh, happens with fire, and uh, I think a fire happens inside your your car engine too. It, mm. the, the good kind of fire, not not the one where <laughs> right. your car catches on fire, but you know that's what's happening. Those little mini explosions that are happening to push the pistons up and down. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, those are some really good examples. I appreciate that because my female mind was thinking of cooking. And oh yeah, I didn't go candles. there at all. <laughs> but no, but that hey, that's good. That's good. Um, so yeah, I mean, and it does provide light. Yeah. And um, 
also warmth, like you said, um, celebration, like burning fire candles. I mean, you know, birthday candles, um, you know, different things like that. Um, also fireworks. Yeah. I think we've all enjoyed fireworks at one point or another. Um, and then some other things, uh, like making glass sculptures. Hmm. You remember when I visited in Germany and we went to a shop where they they did that and they they demonstrated uh, how heating up the the glass and how they molded it and put colors. I mean, it was just beautiful. Yeah. Like, um, so I think sometimes we don't think about fire with all those different things, but fires use any number of different ways. Um, also, kind of the opposite effect. Um, if you're a potterer and you make some kind of pottery, it actually hardens the clay mm-hmm. um, to be able to make it sturdy and durable, you know, to, for use. Um, blacksmith work. That's another one. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought about this one. I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it in there because I thought it might be a little dark, but um, cremation. True. You know, it's true. It's true. So uh, fire can be very useful. Um, like you said, you know, the right kind, the right way could be very useful. It can also be destructive. Yeah. Can you think of any like ways that fire could be destructive? Oh, the obvious. I mean, it could mm-hmm. burn your house or, um, you know, there's wildfires that burn up forests and things like that. So Right, right. Or if that convenient fire that helps your car run gets out of control somehow, sure. some way, some liquid gets in the wrong place or something. My brother has a story about that. Not the one that sang the song last week, but the other one. Right. Yeah, his car burned up on the side of the highway one time. Ugh, that, that must have been awful. Yeah. Just... It's frightening, too, for sure. So let's look at um, some examples of fire in the Bible. Um, I was thinking, you know, the fiery bush that Mm -hmm. uh, was with Moses. God was getting Moses' attention through a bush that was on fire but not being consumed. Um, Also, the pillar of fire that the Israelites followed in the dark, in the desert, as God's presence, you know, uh, they were following that. Can you think of any other examples of fire in the Bible? Yeah, I mean, we hear about fire when uh, when Elijah prayed, uh, right, for fire on the on Mount Carmel, and and then I mean, fire obviously is a part of uh, what happens in the in the temple. There's the, mm. the candles that are burning, and you know, there's the altar and the incense. I mean, all of that relates to fire. I mean, fire is a necessary part of all of those things. Um, yeah, and yeah. then I guess you know you've got. Uh, even in some of the prophecies you hear about fire, you know, mm. uh, I think it's Isaiah that talks about um, the coal that cleanses his lips. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The coal from the altar yeah. that the angel takes and cleanses his lips. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. That's yeah. a really good scripture. Many times in the Bible, it talks about fire for the offerings, the burnt offerings. Uh, you kind of touched on that with Elijah yeah. and calling down the fire from heaven to consume the the. uh sacrifice that was on the altar but he ended up consuming the entire altar and the water and everything right very powerful um but many times he talks about the burnt offering and all throughout the old testament uh how they would use fire for that um so fire is a very powerful thing it can be useful or destructive it all depends on who's using it right so and i guess what their motive is one use of fire that we didn't talk about yet um, is the refining of gold. Mm. And uh, so let's talk about the process of refining gold with fire. Uh, first of all, it's one of the oldest ways to refine gold. Um, 
gold is put in a crucible, which is like a very thick, thick stone bowl type thing. And it has like a pole that, or they'll use some kind of uh, tool to hold it into the fire. And it goes into the fire until the gold reaches its melting point of almost 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Right. The impurities like iron and other metals then rise to the top and then the impurities can be removed. Um, I believe most of the time they wait for the gold to harden and for the impurities to harden. And then they just kind of like they pop it off like there's a way that they can just remove the impurities once it solidifies again. So there are different uh, varieties of purities when it comes to gold. We have uh, 10 carat, which is 41.7 purity to it. Then we have 14 carat, which is 59.3% purity. We have 18 carat, which is 75% purity. And then we have 24 carat, which is the purest gold known. Hmm. So it might still have some impurities in it, but it's the purest one that we that we know. Okay. And I was thinking in order to improve or increase the carrot of the gold that you could just put it back in the fire again. That right? Seems logical. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense to me. You know, we just put it back in and more impurities come up and you take them off. But as I looked into it this week... That's not true. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm, I suppose you could try, but um, but basically the once the that process is done, whatever carrot gold that is, that's what it is. Okay. Um, in order to improve the carrot of the gold, they actually have to pour the twenty four carat gold into it. They have to add the twenty four carat gold in order to make it a better carrot. Hmm. So, um, so I thought that that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bible does talk about us as followers of Jesus being purified in the fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read a few verses that I have here concerning that. Malachi 3, 2 through 3. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Zechariah 13, 9. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call in my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Isaiah one twenty five, I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. So these are just a few of the examples of how God promises us that we will be refined. Mm-hmm. We will be refined. And um, like he always does, he refers to the natural things. So even then, they were using fire to purify gold and silver. Sure. So that was a really long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So why is it important for us to be refined or purified by fire? God calls us to be a holy people. We represent him. First Peter 2.9 says... But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are this, but we are also required to walk that life. All throughout the Bible, it talks about us being holy and walking in a righteous way. I'm thankful that I don't have to do this on my own mm. because it's impossible. Yeah, I know some people who've tried, <laughs> probably lots of people, uh, knowing that God calls us to be holy and to live that upright life um, is, is a really tall order. And some people try to do it in their own strength. And it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. I know that I can't. And um, so I don't need to try to on my own. <laughs> Because I will fail, yeah, for sure. Um, but the fact that he requires that of us is important. We need to know that. Um, yes, he is love and he loves us no matter what. And his grace is more than sufficient. But through all of that, it's through his grace that we are able to walk as a holy people and as righteous. The good news is that when we submit ourselves to Jesus and choose to follow him, that his blood makes us holy and righteous. So again, it's kind of like salvation we've talked about before. We submit our lives to Jesus. We say we're going to follow you for the rest of our lives. He makes us holy and righteous. However, it's still a process. There's the process of being holy, being made righteous, and that's where this refiner's fire comes in. And ultimately, at the end, when we're in eternity with him, we, we will be holy and righteous. Mm. It, that, that will be the completion of our salvation, the completion of our holiness, of our righteousness, and, and all those amazing things that he does for us. Um, but in the meantime, we will need to be purified. We will need to be refined. So what does it look like being refined or purified by fire for us as Christians? What do you think it looks like? I'm, what does it say? Ask the question again. What does, it, what does being refined or purified by fire look for us as Christian? I guess as a Christian, you know, the way that that looks is, um, is understanding that we will go through challenging times. Uh, that's how I look at it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's right. situations and it's um, experiences that we have that will that will create that refining time because um i guess for me i look at it like if everything was always easy <laughs> right then then there'd be no need for us to uh, to to change or to be different we could just be who we are and it wouldn't matter um mm -hmm. but i think that if we are continually looking and working through situations that happen, mm -hmm. um, that helps us to be refined in those processes. I guess that's how I would look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says that the genuineness of our faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith will be tested by fire so that we can give honor, praise, glory to Jesus when he reveals himself to us and to the world at his return. Mm. So, so, you know, he tells us you're going to be refined. You're going to be tested. And this is, you know, one of the ways. So uh, definitely fiery trials for sure. Yeah. 
So uh, let's take a look at Daniel 3, talking about fiery trials. We have King Nebuchadnezzar, who built a golden image. It was about nine feet high and nine feet wide. It's kind of an interesting. I kind of wonder what that image looked like, because it seems like odd proportions, but whatever. Just my imagination. I always thought of that. I think I go back to kids' church uh, mm-hmm. when... Somewhere along the line, you know, I mean, I was a kid a long time ago, but there was a, when we were used flannel graph, right? Uh, there was somebody when they was teaching this story and uh, the King Nebuchadnezzar statue they had was just, it was a, it was shown as just his face. So it was like a oh. giant face. So, Interesting. so that, that was, that was the way that, it, that they were portraying that. So mm. this, this likeness of the King so that, I mean, right, because your face is kind of proportional. I mean, your head's not completely round, <laughs> but, you know. I guess I mean, some people maybe. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but nine by nine, just right. a giant face is, yeah. is the way that was portrayed. But That's, I that's mean, a little frightening. I, and that, I, that'd be a really big face. Yeah. I'd never thought about that before. Me, my, my mind goes to cow, you know, because. Sure. Anyways. Um, so whichever it was, he made this very large image of gold. Um, and at this time, there were several Jews in Babylon that were they were taken captive. So they had been living there for a while. Um, and King Nebuchadnezzar, he calls all the important people together. And we have an announcer that says in Daniel 3, 4 through 6, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. And so that's what they did. They got, I guess, the bands out, all the bands, and they started playing all their music, and they are literally requiring them to worship this image of gold, which Makes sense if it's his face, because King Nebuchadnezzar was really all about himself, mm-hmm. to worship it. And um, then, after a little bit, some of the astrologers went to the king and said, Hey, there's some Jews that you put in charge of some stuff in Babylon. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are paying no attention to you. They won't serve your gods. And they will not worship this golden image that you've set up. So the three Jews were brought to King Nebuchadnezzar and they were confronted. He's like, hey, this is what I said. You're supposed to worship when you hear the music and bow down. And if you don't, you're going to be thrown into the furnace. And what God can save you from that furnace? Well, in Daniel 3, 16 through 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to him, King Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Well, needless to say, the king was furious. He tells the men, turn the furnace up seven times hotter before throwing them in. And even the men who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace died because of the heat of the furnace that was coming out. Mm. So, do you know 
John, what the king saw when he looked down into the furnace. Oh, I think when he looked in the furnace, he saw uh, he saw them walking walking around in the fire, and mm-hmm. uh, not only that, he saw that there was a a fourth person with them. Mm. So they weren't alone. Right. Exactly. So he looks down into the furnace and he turns to the guys beside him and he says, hey, didn't we just throw three guys in there? I'm pretty sure I just talked to three of them. He's like, why do I see a fourth one? And in fact, he acknowledges that he looks like the son of a god. Mm. So obviously he's shown some kind of different way that he knew that it just wasn't a person who was in there. So this kind of changed King Nebuchadnezzar's heart and mind. So he calls to the three boys and he calls them servants of the most high God. Come out of the furnace. So they come walking out. And now remember, the people who just threw them in died just because they got close to the fire. Yeah. So we have these three boys coming out. And I say boys because they were pretty young men. They come out of the fire and everybody around them observes. There's not one hair on their head that is burned. Yeah. Their clothes aren't burned. Their bodies are just fine. In fact, they realize they don't even smell like smoke. Mm. It's like this supernatural bubble was put around them. Yeah. You know, like in my mind, it's like, how can you even be that even close to the fire and not even smell like it? Like we talked about before with the campfire. Right. They didn't even smell the fire on them. That is, I mean, it's a miracle, but it's just such an outstanding miracle in my mind that is just crazy. So the king says in Daniel 3.28, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands. And were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. So then he turns to all the people and he tells them, no one can talk bad about their God. Because if you do, you're going to be cut into a bunch of different pieces. Wow. Yeah. His heart definitely changed. Now, whether he ended up serving God or not, don't know. But he definitely acknowledged that through all the gods that they worshipped, that their God was the most high God. Yeah. So uh, they were confident and trusted God in their conversation before. and um, But I can't help but to think that their faith was definitely being tested. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I, could, I, I, mean, I don't believe that there's anybody who could be facing that and not have like a, oh, a moment, you know? Um, sure, because even when you read it, I mean, it said that, you know, they were saying what they were saying as far as, we're not going to listen to what the king has to say. You can throw us in the fire. You know, mm-hmm. they started with God will protect us, but even if he doesn't. Right. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that their faith was definitely tested in that moment. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and there was definitely some refining going on in sure. this literal fire. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, and this story also is a great reminder of how when we go through hard times and testing that Jesus is always right there beside us. Yeah. And that is that just speaks magnitudes of hope to me that even though we go through hard times, even though we are tested in order to purify our faith, in order to purify us as a whole, to walk as a holy, righteous people, that he is always right there. He is always there ready to give us whatever it is that we need 
and and the support and the comfort and everything that we need in order to get through that. So, I mean, it's not just like, hey, here you go. We're just going to push you in the fire and we'll see what happens. Either you'll burn up or you'll come out better. Yeah. So let's read, uh, let's see, Proverbs 17.3. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And I do believe that uh, there was definitely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that God was testing their hearts. I believe that when they came out, they were better men for it. And the people of Babylon saw that their God was the most powerful and cared about them. Yeah. And that is why we're to walk that holy and righteous life. Because it's not just for him. It is for other people to look at us and to realize that we are his. Mm-hmm. We are his. So the second way that natural gold can be improved is to have the pure gold or the purest that we know, the 24 carat, be added to it. So the gold would have to once again be in the fire in order to be liquefied. Then the 24 karat gold can be added and this would improve its carat or its quality. When we're in hard times, we have a choice. We could be hard or we can allow the Holy Spirit to soften or melt us by his fire. Once we're liquefied, he pours more of Jesus into us. Mm. This is the process that makes us more pure, holy, and righteous. We also have the option to stay liquefied. If we stay in this tender place, the Holy Spirit is able to continue to pour into us daily, making us more like Jesus. It makes me think of the pillar of fire that the Israelites followed in the dark, in the wilderness. It was the presence of God, was this pillar of fire. And then I think about in Acts 2, when the tongues of fire came on each one of the, each one of the people. The Holy Spirit came and it appeared as tongues of fire upon their heads. And for me, the Israelites made a choice in the desert to have Moses be their spokesperson. You go talk to God. You let us know what he says. So they followed him. His, he was still so faithful and, and allowed his presence to still stay with them as a pillar of fire at night. But then in Acts 2, after Jesus came and he made a way for us to have access to the throne of God and to be in his presence without being dead, basically, And I picture that pillar of fire coming into that room and then being distributed onto each one of their heads Mm -hmm. as a way of saying, my presence is now accessible for each one of you. Each one of you are in a place because of Jesus's blood to enter my presence. Mm -hmm. It doesn't any longer have to be me on the outside just leading you. Right. It's for everyone. So the fiery trials can be painful, but being in a continuous place of receiving the Holy Spirit fire that can burn so beautiful, cleansing us, purifying us, is an amazing, wonderful, encouraging place to be. This gives me hope. Becoming more like Jesus doesn't have to be painful. Mm. He will use those times 
But like you said, so many times if we just are outside of trials, we're just living life. Right. But if we can acknowledge that on a consistent, continual basis, we'll come before him, even when we're not having a hard time, even when blessings are overwhelming us, if we choose to meet with him all the time, keeping that relationship going and that ongoing conversation just in our lives, we'll stay in that tender place. We'll stay in that liquefied place where the Holy Spirit will continue just to pour into us, refining us, but it doesn't necessarily have to be painful. The fire of the Holy Spirit can go through us and continue to purify us, but it just is a process that's just happening. It doesn't have to be I'm all hard. Now I have to go into the fire and become liquefied. And, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It doesn't mean that you won't still have challenges. Absolutely. But I am completely convinced. And I can tell you from experience that if we stay in this continued state, your, per- your perspective tends to change. That even when you face those hard times, you don't feel the same as what you would have before. Mm-hmm. Your perspective is different. Your you can remember easily how he has done it for you before. And that's just that whole growing and becoming closer to him. So I highly recommend staying in that place where Holy Spirit fire is continuing to just flow through you. And instead of it being painful, it's actually an amazing, wonderful, drawing you close to God experience Yeah, when he does that. And, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess you just have to experience it to <laughs> to understand how incredible it is. It's not just it doesn't cause me pain. It's incredible. It's it's an amazing experience. So do you remember the object lesson of the dirty water in the clear pitcher? And then this pure water starts to get poured into the pitcher. Right. So. That's kind of what I was thinking about. I know it's not fire, but you have this dirty water that's in this pitcher. And then you have this other pitcher that has the purest water you could ever find, meaning the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And they begin to pour it into this other pitcher. And they just keep pouring and pouring and pouring until eventually, of course, it's overflowing. But all that dirt, all the yuck, all the impurities of the water that was in there is gone. Yeah. Because of how much of that pureness is being poured in Mm -hmm. and that's the picture that i have with this Mm -hmm. so while we're in this world dirt will tend to still stick to us (laughs) i mean that's just the way it is we're around other people and in this world (laughs) and that's it's just kind of how i see it it doesn't even mean that we are sinning right it just means that the dirt just kind of sticks to us yeah we need that constant purification in order to help us. But staying in this tender receiving place allows the Holy Spirit to cleanse us more easily. And just maybe we won't have to face as many trials, but when we do, we can handle them with confidence in God, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So how about you, listener? Are you willing to be refined by the fire of the Holy Spirit? I hope this has been encouraging for you today. God does require us to live a holy and righteous life, but we can't do it all on our own, for sure. The Holy Spirit does it for us. So I encourage you, 
to allow him to continue to pour himself into you and to stay that in that soft place. So until next time, continue to believe in the one and only true God, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.